It's the day after. Nuggets lost to the 76ers and beat out dueled Jokic. Maxi out dueled Murray. Let's talk about what happened, what the takeaways are, and what we learned from this game today on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Matas, and I appreciate you making this your first listen each and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm flying solo today. This school's being delayed and canceling and all this different stuff has disrupted me and Matt, both parents. So we're both today dealing with, you know, how to kids at home and different things going on. So unfortunately, I'm doing the solo one today. Would love to hear Matt's thoughts, but maybe we'll be able to get to a show later on in the week. But the Nuggets, this one is going to be all on the big game. Nuggets dropped to the 76ers. I thought it was actually a really good game. You know, in last year when the Nuggets dropped to the 76ers, it was a painful one. You know, it felt because obviously the collapse, Denver being up 15, Embiid going off the way that he did, it was it was a tough one to swallow. I think this year, it really shows you the biggest difference between pre-championship and post-championship. Pre-championship, everything feels so huge. It feels like um, all of your opinions, all of your fanhood is on, constantly on trial. I think post-championship, and I wonder if Nuggets fans kind of feel the same way. You can kind of let me know in the chat here. It, it feels like post-championship, there's a little bit more perspective on these games are fun and meaningful and you want to win and they, they have all of that emotion. But when you step back you know, a day later, you kind of say, okay, bummer, regular season game, but let's look big picture at all this stuff. I think it's a little bit easier to do that post-championship. So this one, you know, Denver loses. They get outplayed, especially in the fourth quarter. And Embiid goes off the way that he did last year, almost a repeat, just hitting outside shots. And yet I still feel like it's easier to kind of sit back and, and, and kind of digest this one. My first note on the game is that this was an incredibly well-played game from both teams on the offensive end. I don't defensively, I'm not so sure. Both teams, I thought, I don't expect either team to play as well in the rematch here in 10 days as they did in this one. 41% from Denver from three, 12 of 29, and that includes Jokic's two misses at the very end. 48.5% from three from Philadelphia, 15 of 31. Some of this was the scheme, but I think a lot of this was both teams were kind of dialed in and one thing that's different about regular season and postseason, two things, the intensity and the defensive execution. I thought that the intensity of this game had playoff intensity. It was it was a serious game, maybe 80%, 90%, but it was way closer than a typical regular season game. But it did not have playoff execution or game planning. And so what you ended up getting was phenomenal offensive performances from both teams, but not necessarily great defensive performances. The offense, your light, the intensity goes up, you're focused, but the execution was low, so the defense suffers. That's what I thought this game was. Um, so that's my first note is just that this game was really, really well played. And when you take step back and look, it was great that guys like Christian Brown and Peyton Watson performed well under pressure. Neither one of those guys you know, I know Christian Brown had the air ball in the second half, but neither of those guys um, look like a deer in the headlights. And that's an important, not that it means everything, but here in three months, when the Nuggets enter the playoffs, 
they're going to be counting on Peyton Watson to perform at the level he did in the regular season and then dialed up as everybody dials up for the playoffs. This was, I think, our first example of a game that somewhat matches that intensity, and he did not look rattled. Christian Brown, who has not been playing well for most of the year, we know he performed well in the playoffs last year. He goes out and has 11 points, four rebounds on two or three from three from the three-point line. It was a, a, one of his better offensive games that we've seen in a while, at least in the first half. So the fact that both of those guys were able to han handle the pressure is the number one, like one of the biggest takeaways in terms of what actually matters for the Nuggets long term. The same can be said for Michael Porter, who has been looking better and better um, as time has been going on. So him shooting well in this game, four of eight uh, from three, getting 20 points, being the second leading scorer, that's encouraging. Also, the, the continued uptick that he's had in his game. These are games where you wonder who's going to not look great in them. And I really don't think, I mean, with the exception of one guy who didn't look terrible, but certainly didn't look great, Jamal Murray, we'll talk about him in a second. I thought everybody sort of stepped up to the challenge offensively. So that was a good and encouraging sign to see. Um, I thought it was a strange game plan from both teams. And, you know, from Denver in particular, the last couple times they played, Yoke, uh, they played Joel Embiid, they have seemed to have a strategy of keep him out of the paint, give him the jump shot, and sort of live with it. And there's been some double schemes in this last one, of course, in the second half that backfired. I'll talk about that in a second. But the general game plan of we're not concerned, we're not as concerned, I should say, with Joel Embiid scoring from the perimeter. We don't want him scoring in the paint, so we're going to tilt our defense to do that. But they've tilted it so far, in my opinion, that Embiid is very comfortable. I mean, in last year's game and this year's game, he's shooting like 70% outside the paint. Maybe that's just hot shooting. I think there is a little bit of that, and it's, um, we're excited now to see come back to Denver. You go on the road. Team Players usually shoot a little bit worse on the road. But I don't think it's such an outlier given the way Denver has chosen to defend him. He's a great jump shooter, and he's most comfortable with his game. He's most comfortable at the foul line and on the jump shot. So Denver sort of conceding that we're going to give him jumpers to me is allowing him to get comfortable. It's similar to when teams say we're going to make Jokic a passer and we're going to hard double right away. Well, Jokic is very comfortable doing that. So if you commit to that right away, you're going to create a rhythm for him. You know, or even if you tell you, you say you're going to guard Jokic one on one and you're giving him the little jump hook, you know, the post shots. Teams, you have to mix up your coverages, you have to disguise, and you have to make things difficult. And I thought Denver, rather than try to make things difficult, just said, we're going to give him one thing and hope he takes it. Well, he took it, and he made them all, or almost all of them, in this game the same way that he did in the last one. So I thought it was a weird game plan from, really from Denver, and it, it has defined the last two matchups, what Denver has sort of decided for him to do. I think they changed things in the home matchup, and this is why it's exciting you know, after the game, Joel Embiid and Jokic, you know, shared a moment and Embiid shared what he told him. He said, hey, I look forward to seeing you in 10 days, you know, going on the road. I like that these two players now are taking this matchup seriously. I feel like this is the first time that that has been the case. They only play each other on average every other year and mostly in Philadelphia. I think there's just been two games. One was Jokic's sophomore season. Uh, he played about 20 minutes or 21 minutes in that game. And then one was in 2020. So I'm excited for there to be this sort of back and forth. And I'm actually, I think 10 days is about the perfect amount of spacing. I've talked about teams playing the two games in a row and how I don't like that because it, you know, they can get stale. 10 days apart feels right to me. That's like, okay, 
both teams are going to go out and do their own little quests now. You know, Denver's got Boston coming up. Philly has their own slate. And then you circle back in two weeks, and to me it feels like a natural, okay, we're, we're back and rejuvenated and excited for this one. And I'm most excited to see what Denver tries to do defensively. I was curious, what player might Denver face in the playoffs that most is like Joel Embiid? And I don't think there is one. Weirdly enough, the name that I came up with was Kawhi Leonard. And specifically with how Embiid played yesterday and how Denver defended him, obviously trying to give him the, keep him out of the paint and give him the jumper. Well, Kawhi Leonard is a phenomenal mid-range jump shooter, and Denver is going to likely use similar strategies where they're putting somebody on him and then trying to send help and disguise where their help comes from to, to make those jumpers, at least uh, mix it up with him. Kawhi Leonard, you know, the Clippers are a team that I think Denver is likely to face in the playoffs. The 76ers probably unlikely because is Denver going to make the finals? Is Philly going to make the finals? It's just unlikely to count on that. The Clippers and Kawhi, I could see it. And Kawhi is the type of guy that can have an Embiid-esque night where he goes. I don't know what Embiid's final stat line was, but it's probably something like 10 of 13 outside the paint. I mean, he was just on fire. So that was the guy that most reminded me of, of who Denver might play. And I think Denver has to take some notes from how they – executed their defensive game plan very poorly and i think even how they thought out uh their defensive game plan on the other side philadelphia elected not to put him beat on Jokic pretty much at any point of the game there were switches and Jokic would actually attack to try to force him beat which i thought was an interesting decision uh to try to force him beat onto him they'd run some screen and roll to to get that switch but for the most part they put him beat off of Jokic, and it clearly had an effect you know, in disrupting the passing and, and, and the rhythm of Denver's offense. Their nine assists is, is indicative of, or 23 assists is indicative of a game plan that was um, not, you know, what Denver's looking to do. So I thought that was my big takeaway is that Denver's other players played well. Um, I thought that the game plan was interesting. Both teams shot incredibly well. And I think that there will be adjustments going for by by the Nuggets in particular going into the second matchup here in a couple weeks. Um, but overall, I'm not too discouraged. If you take the last three games Denver's played, the two at home where they get the wins and they look impressive, and this one where they lost, but offensively they looked impressive, I actually think Denver's on an uptick for their season. They went into a little bit of a lull, albeit one where they were winning a lot of games, but they weren't looking very good. Two, I think they have started to up their intensity, up their focus, and it appears that they are trying to be um, an impressive team right now. And that's one of my big takeaways outside of the matchup. But let's get to the matchup on the other side and talk about Jokic and Embiid and what we learned from both of those guys. We'll do that on the other side. First, I want to tell you about eBay Motors. eBay Motors, passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay guaranteed uh, and with eBay, guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply. eBay's guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, we'll be right back with more Locked On. All right, segment two here. Let's talk about the matchup here between Jokic and Embiid because it's an interesting one. First off, I don't think Embiid fears this matchup at all. I think that over the last two seasons, Denver has made him very comfortable at doing the things that he is most comfortable doing. And look, great players. We know how hard it is to disrupt Jokic. So this is not a thing where it's like every team is capable of making things hard. And it might be the case that Denver is just not capable of making life hard on Embiid. We'll probably know the answer to that, in my opinion, at this next game in 10 days. If Embiid is able to shoot the way he did and really play the way he did in these last two, I think it'll be safe to say that this is a matchup Denver just has nothing they have nothing they can give Embiid. That's certainly what it, it's looking at at the moment. But Embiid does not fear this matchup. He is very comfortable, and it's not physically taxing on him. And I think one of the things that if you go back three matchups, you have to go all the way back to 2020 to see the third matchup in this series. If you remember, Embiid had a very good first half, wore down, and then Jokic dominated. I think he had 17 points in the fourth quarter. And a lot of that was by design. One of the advantages Embiid ha or Jokic has over Embiid is conditioning and just his versatility on the court. So that was a get him up and down, make him move side to side, make him guard a lot of pick and rolls, and then wear him down. And it was very effective. And that has been, by the way, in the playoffs, one of the things teams have tried to do to Embiid, wear him down, make him uh, run out of steam, and then you execute in the fourth quarter. With, by taking him off and putting him on Aaron Gordon specifically, Embiid is able to have a very easy game. He was not, I mean, he was tired because everybody was tired in this game. It was a very, for the first, uh, almost the entire first half, it was a very up and down game. So it was, you know, guys were getting up, but defensively he was able to kind of sit in the paint. And we saw, especially in the fourth quarter, Embiid had a very strong uh, rim protection factor in large part because he didn't have to leave the paint. He just stood in the paint and got to sit there like, like Rudy Gobert last year in the playoffs. Um, and then on the other end, Denver's defensive schemes, I thought, made it very easy for him on offense. When they single-covered him at the nail or at the, the elbows, you know, he was able to sit there for 5, 10 seconds, catch his breath, kind of pivot, jab step, and then go into his shot or try to draw, draw contact. It was relaxing. When Denver sent the doubles, they are often before he put the ball on the floor. It's when he was at a standstill, and he was basically a quarterback with good protection, just sitting there and looking, oh, the help comes from one pass away, make the easy pass, and then get the shot. So I thought mentally and physically, this game was not at all taxing for Joel Embiid, uh, especially taxing, I should say. It was an easy game for him to play. And I think that is one of the things about this matchup that probably has Embiid confident, and one of the reasons that I think once he hit his shots, like he hit two or three, he missed a couple early, then he hit two or three in a row that were very easy. And I thought it just gave him a rhythm and gave him a comfort factor where he was like, okay, I know exactly how I'm going to attack this defense. The passing, you know, 10 assists through three quarters. I don't think he had a fourth quarter assist. 10 assists through three quarters and coming out of the second half when Denver was sending those early doubles before he puts the ball on the floor, one pass away, and he was making the assist, he was getting assists in a row, and guys were getting comfortable. So I thought Denver's game plan, whether it was smart or not, the one thing you can say is that it allowed Embiid to be comfortable in this game. So I'm curious to see if Jokic will guard him more. I even put this on Twitter. Through th I, One of the reasons you take Jokic off Embiid is because you don't want foul trouble. I mean, Embiid shot 15 free throws. He's very good. 
his game, he really has good footwork in the post, but he doesn't operate out of the post as much as you would think. He mostly operates from the elbows. And what he's really good at, his number one foul-drawing skill is in whenever a defender sort of puts a hand up or out or to the side or anything, it's not even like they're reaching for steals. When they just put their hands anywhere that is not like straight up or behind them, it he's really good at quickly getting under their arms and going up and just drawing a foul. So what it does is it causes players like Aaron Gordon, who aren't tall enough to contest him, it has them not getting close to him because they're afraid of fouling him. It basically creates space without using a move because it's for fear of fouling him. So this is where he got his comfort factor in, in and where I think if you have a Jokic on him, especially in a fourth quarter or just in different minutes, Jokic has the length to at least make that shot a little bit harder. He has the phys- the body size so that you're not just gonna, he's not just going to barrel his chest through you. But there is the foul factor where Embiid's very good at just sort of bumping into you and then falling down and getting the call. And I don't think there was any like terribly egregious calls or anything like that in this last game. But it's why Denver is so afraid to play the or er, not just Denver. Every team is afraid to play Embiid the way that they do. So I wonder if Jokic will guard him more. I think you would rather see him guard uh, each other more. I think it's a bit of a shame in today's NBA that the best strategy, like you, everybody talks about Akeem and uh, David uh, Robinson, you know, Shaq and Tim Duncan, like some of the iconic matchups of bigs. It's a bit of a bummer that in today's NBA, the smart move is to have those guys not guard each other. It takes away a little bit of the drama. But I actually think Denver should try Jokic back on him a little bit in the rematch. Can Denver force him into tougher spots? This is one of the big things. When you pick your poison, you have to pick one or the other. Are you going to give Embiid a comfortable game or are you going to give everyone else a comfortable game? I thought Denver did both with the way that they doubled. But I am curious if Denver says, okay, we're going to try to push Embiid off of his spots and be a little bit compromised with the ball handling in their next matchup and just see how that goes. But can Denver get him off of the elbow and from the top of the key? That's going to be one of the things they're going to have to focus on. On the other side... I think Jokic does look a little bit strained in this matchup. So Embiid looks comfortable. I thought Jokic played great. This by this by no means was a bad game. 25 points, 19 rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block. He was a plus one in his 38 minutes. 11 of 20, and that included some Hail Mary threes at the end that did not go down. So I thought, and then on top of that, of his nine misses, so two were threes, and then like four of them were shots he rebounded and just put back in. So he had a very efficient night as well. But... I feel like his was a lot more difficult, where Embiid was very comfortable. He was playing the game he wanted. We know that Jokic doesn't like to have just three assists. And one of the things that we've talked about now for over a year is that the best defense on Denver is to put a rim protector on Aaron Gordon because Aaron Gordon doesn't want to take a bunch of threes. He's not good at shooting a bunch of threes, and he is good at playing bully ball. Well, you can't bully Joel Embiid. Embiid's too big. You know, Aaron Gordon's stronger than most players, and he did have a couple where he – you know, went up strong against Embiid, got behind him or whatever, and went up quick. So he was somewhat effective, but putting Embiid there makes him a little bit less effective. And more to the point, it allows the rest of the defenders to guard their man and stay home, which means Jokic isn't getting all of the passing and you're not getting everybody sort of involved that way. Dever had a 131 offensive rating. They made it work. Every defensive adjustment you make compromises you in another way, and guys stepped up and scored. But for Jokic specifically, I think it does disrupt him a little bit. With all that being said, from watching this game, and obviously from watching the playoffs last year, I think Denver would beat Philadelphia in a finals. And I actually think it would be, um, I don't want to say an easy series. I think it would be a competitive series. But I feel pretty confident that Denver, I would feel confident taking Denver against Philadelphia. Why do I say that? 
Well, for one, I think Denver has a, such a variety of ways to play if, uh, to beat you. If you look at it, Denver put up 121 points, a 131 offensive rating, and they did not play their typical style. 23 assists is their third lowest on the year. Jokic with three assists, one of his lowest on the year, and yet Denver was still able to do that. I thought defensive, Denver's defensive game plan was not smart, but it was like a, a, a test, so to speak. It was, let's try this out and see what happens. But I think that when you talk about playoff basketball, you really need to have either one player who's so un unstoppable. That might be him, but I kind of doubt it. If you look at Shaquille O'Neal, even Shaq needed the Kobe counter to be able to keep all the defenses honest. This is why Shaq was swept four or five times in his career. I forgot the number was swept is because one player, when, when things tilt too far in the direction you get in a playoff series, teams are able to say like, okay, we're going to sell out and figure out where the weakness is. I think that is the case with Philadelphia, that they are going to be dominant in this regular season. But in the postseason, for them to get to where I would buy them more, they need to go back to where they were earlier in the season, where the Maxi Embiid, if you remember, Maxi was playing as well, if not better than Embiid for the first like 10 games of the year. Then Embiid took off, and I think that their offense actually shifted much more to what it has been in years past, which is giving Embiid the ball and let him do his thing. And obviously it works. They're going to win an enormous amount of games. But in a playoff series, I think teams are going to be able to game plan that. And have they built the requisite chemistry to be able to um, to be able to win a series going away? When a team takes away your favorite thing, do they have enough in the tank to go the other direction? I don't think so. I think they're very good. But if they were to meet in a, in, in a playoffs, I think Denver would be able to figure out the scheme that says, okay, now you're going to have to be go the uncomfortable route and we'll see what happens. So I just think there's more nuance to the game. If you look at the history of this matchup, Embiid has now outperformed Jokic, I think, definitively in the last two. If you go back three games ago, Embiid actually outperformed Jokic in basically through three quarters, and then Jokic dominated the fourth quarter. So that one, I think you give the edge to Jokic because the team won, he had a game winner, and he had that 17-point fourth quarter, so he, I think, won it. But that was one where Embiid still played extremely well. So I think if you go back, those are the only three games that I think really you can count if, before that, all the all the matchups go before 2020. We're talking about young, young teams, young players. This or that is even the numbers are a little bit strange. So I think these last three you look at, Embiid's played well in all three of them. Denver has won one of the three, and Jokic, while he has played well in all of them, he has not played up to Embiid's standards in two of the three. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing to look at as we go forward. I think it's a good rivalry. Um, I think it's. Uh, I put this on the timeline. If the NBA was better at marketing its product, I think they would be setting the stage for this potential matchup. The NBA doesn't do a good job of pre-telling stories, like just setting the table. The Nuggets are the reigning champs. Embiid is the reigning MVP. Jokic Embiid, that's an easy storyline to tell, and I think the NBA should be building towards that as a potential matchup. Giannis and Jokic, the last two MVPs to also win a championship, that's a good matchup. You know, you're talking about guys who are widely considered the three best players. You should be previewing these types of things. So I think that this matchup would be great for the league, great for the NBA. Um, and, you know, I just think that the NBA could probably do a little bit more to uh, to market it. Let's take a break. On the other side, I want to talk about Jamal Murray. And when I want to talk about the state of the Nuggets now after this game, What's what does it mean going forward for them? We'll get to that on the other side. First, I want to tell you that we are brought to you by BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp, we know right now, guys, it's been a tough handful of years. The world seems a little bit strange, a little bit out of whack. 
It's nice if you don't have somebody in your life to talk to. It's nice to know that you have better help right at your fingertips so you can start making goals for yourself in 2024. doesn't mean it even have to mean that you are suffering or going through a hard time. Maybe it's just that you want somebody to help you with the goals or where you think you're going. Maybe you have questions about a new career um, that you want or, or a change of pace in your life that you want to talk uh, through somebody and try to work out your uh, your thoughts and your ideas. That's why there's better help. Um, you can right now celebrate the progress you've already made or speak to someone uh, and just try to get some someone in your life giving you advice. They're designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get mass matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime with no additional charge. Find the person that's right for you. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on MBA. And also want to tell you guys about FanDuel. The NBA regular season is wrapping up, but there's still <laughs> the NFL season rather is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action. I was betting on football last week and it was an enormous amount of fun football playoff football in particular playoffs anything is just so intense it's just the best and betting on playoff football was fun i didn't do great but it was still made the games that i didn't actually care about a lot more fun right now new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet that's 150 in bonus bets win or lose you could be like me losing your bets over the weekend and still get that bonus you can do live same game parlays find bets in the new explore tab make a parlay in the parlay hub um, just visit Fandle.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fandle, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with the local experts on Locked on Plus. Our national shows cover Every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, last segment here. We got to talk about Jamal Murray. I thought he had a medium game. It wasn't a horrible game by any means. 17 points, 10 assists, uh, 7 of 16 shooting. But he was the one guy that I thought when you looked out there, you go, okay, Jokic was impressive. Porter was impressive. Gordon did some impressive things. KCP guarded well. Peyton Watson guarded phenomenally well and made a three. Christian Brown played well. Reggie Jackson made some shots. DeAndre Jordan did his thing. Everybody was, was above expectation or at expectation except for Jamal Murray. 17 points, 10 assists, and was outplayed by Tyrese Maxey, who went for 25 points, 9 assists, and 4 rebounds. And more to the point, Murray just looks sluggish in this game as he has looked sluggish for pretty much the entire year. We use kid gloves against Jamal Murray quite a bit. Um, I think we, as in like the Denver media uh, at large, and for good reason. The guy brought the first ever championship to the Denver Nuggets. And in the playoffs now, in his last two, he has been phenomenal. But it has to be noted that he is averaging just 20 points for the, uh, what is this, basically the fifth consecutive season. His arc has been 10 points his rookie year, 17, then 18, 18 and a half, 21, 20, and now 20 and a half. It seems to be, at this very moment, his limit for what he's even capable of as a regular season performer. And I think part of why he is only capable of that number is because he's never at the speed or conditioning that he is in the playoffs. He is working towards it. And I actually think that he looks better right now physically. He just looks a little thinner, a little more in shape than he did a month ago. But I think it is Murray's designed every year he sort of works his way into shape. Last night was a game where he looked like he did not have 
the ability to beat guys off the dribble, including switches, getting him beat out. On, I mean, he did get him beat one time on a really nice step back, but there were multiple times where Denver needed him to get into the teeth of the defense and he wasn't able to do so. Fast break where he gets blocked by a 40-year-old Nick Batum. There just were plays where you look at it and you go, that's not the playoff version of him that's quicker than everyone. His nickname is Glitch because he's so quick and he makes all of those moves. And we see it in the playoffs. He cooks everyone. He doesn't have that in the regular season. He doesn't seem to want to have that in the regular season, which is a little bizarre to me. Um, we all thought maybe this would be the year he gunned for um, trying to be an all-star. That hasn't been the case. Some of that was the injury. But even before that, he wasn't scoring. So Jamal, to me, I think it's just – I hope it changes at some point. I really do because – while he has been phenomenal in the playoffs, and I expect him to continue to be phenomenal in the playoffs, there is something that you leave on the table when you're not pushing yourself to just grow every year. And at this very moment, can we say definitively there are ways in which Murray has grown as a player? He's averaging about the same assists, same points, shooting basically the same percentage. He's up about 1% on his three-point shot, so that's nice. He's up about 4%. Uh, I'm sorry, he's up about 1% on his overall effective field goal percentage. That's nice. But I wouldn't say that he has necessarily improved as a player last year to this year. Now they won a championship last year. So maybe that means they'll win a championship this year. But as a player of his age, you would imagine he would want to be pushing himself to see just how great he could be. He's 26, almost 27 years old. You imagine he would want to be pushing himself to be as great as he wants to be and to grow. And he just doesn't seem to be too interested in that. On nights like last night, which is clearly a big matchup for Jokic, and when everyone on the team seemed to understand that and guys step up and make big plays, he was the one guy that just kind of looked like it was a regular game for him. So for me, Murray, it's my one take is, I think Denver is good enough to win a championship, probably even good enough to win a championship just as is, but maybe not because there are teams this year, like the Clippers who are coming on strong. There's the Boston Celtics. You look at Jason Tatum, who does not have Nikola Jokic and flames out in the playoffs last year. Clearly he is motivated about coming into the season so that you can become better. Part of being in shape is you can't become better unless you're at your absolute peak. It's almost impossible to improve as a player unless you're able to push yourself as a player. Murray doesn't seem interested in that so far this season, and I, it, it does you know, bother me. As a fan, it bothers me just to think, what are you leaving on the table that you could be better at? Denver as a team is rounding into form, though. I think that they have looked very good over these last couple of games. They have another measuring stick game against Boston that in many ways is as big as this game they just completed because Boston is another team that, one, has not lost at home, and two, might be a finals matchup. I'd love to see Murray step up in that game. He's going to have two incredible defenders, better than what he faced. After the game, just to give you an example, so you don't think I'm just talking shit about Murray here. After the game, Patrick Beverly was asked about guarding Jamal Murray, and he said, let me see, uh, when asked what's the key to shutting Jamal down, no key, I've been locking his ass up for years. This is Patrick Beverly. This isn't even like a star player. This is Patrick Beverly who is – Basically out there going, Murray's not hard to guard, you guys. He's not one of the top players. If I was Murray, I would be bothered by these things. And then Murray goes also goes into the mode where he, rather than like work his way into great shape to where he's murdering these guys on a consistent basis, he'll end up trying to make, you know, take up too much of the offense and go mano a mano in ways that can be distracting. So for me, you can't become your best unless you're in your best shape. And Murray, to me, is becoming, he's getting closer into that as the season goes on. 
But I hope that this is the last year we're talking about Murray, the slow starter, Murray being puffy, Murray not being able to be an all-star candidate, at, very, at the very least a candidate, because he's clearly, you know, he's just a 20-point-per-game scorer, and he's not a guy that can carry the bench. That's the other piece of this, is that Denver is really handicapped by not being able to solve the bench. Michael Malone is strained by not being able to solve the bench. When you talk about the development of players like Christian Brown and Peyton Watson, and even Zeke Naji, who now might looks like his time in Denver is just over and now he'll just play wherever. Um, now those like Murray should look at the development of those players as his responsibility. When you become a certain level of player, and certainly when you become a champion, it's no longer about, am I good enough? It's, I have to get my team ready. I have to make sure they're ready. That's a job that Murray does not seem to take any responsibility for as evidenced by the fact that they are so atrocious when he's on the court without Jokic. Um, so for me, again, I think that Murray, I'm giving him credit and that I think he is capable And this critique is not saying he is bad. It is saying he is great, but leaves stuff on the table. That's, that's what I feel about Murray. So the bench to me should be his responsibility. The fact that Denver signed Zeke to an extension and Mur and Malone has entrusted Murray to say, Hey, Zeke, Peyton, Christian, we need those guys to be good by the playoffs. You're going to be manning the offense when they're out there, help them out. And we're here not even or right at halfway through the season and Zeke is thrown away. And there are games where Peyton Watson doesn't score or Christian Brown struggling with his offense. To me, Murray should take responsibility for that and say, okay, it's my job to get these guys ready. And I think in many ways, Murray is sort of the spiritual leader of the team. He he is the guy that can be the most vocal and, and be these different things. But is he making life easy or hard for those guys? I would argue that he's actually making life hard, and he has a nonchalance to him in this regular season that doesn't seem that is, I think, a little bit off-putting. Michael Porter Jr. is looking really strong. If you talk about big takeaways, what really matters? Michael Porter um, making his shots lately, looking more athletic, looking more confident. More confidence is so much in this game in the NBA, and he looks to be a guy that is hesitating a little bit less on shots making more of his shots, and I'm very excited about his trajectory. I think by the end of the year, if, if he continues on the trajectory he's on from game one to where he is now, I'm very encouraged about what Michael Porter will look like in this playoffs. And then Peyton Watson has playmaking chops. I think Michael Malone needs to entrust him to run more actions. They only really run plays. They run pick and roll with Reggie Jackson a lot. I mean, Malone, if you think about how has he tailored that offense for the second unit, a lot towards Reggie and DeAndre in the pick and roll, a lot towards Murray, and really not towards anyone else. And I think that it, Julian Strother, when he's there, Michael Malone would always talk about, it. he's a guy I run plays for. They haven't necessarily paid off because, to be honest with you, Julian Strother hasn't been an efficient player. I like that they're running plays for him. But I don't understand why Michael Malone doesn't run more action for Peyton Watson. Or even if not running more action, trust him more. I think that they need him to be an offensive weapon. Denver needs him to be that. They don't just need him to be a defensive player. You get to a playoffs, it's not going to work to have Christian Brown and Peyton Watson on the floor for 15 minutes a game not scoring. They're going to have to guard. That's a given. And I think Malone is worried about giving them too much. Does it take away from their defense? If that happens, take the offense back. But I think right now, you watch it what Peyton Watson has done as a passer over the last few games. And I just think there's something to his game that should be explored and, and should be given. Just give him a little more rope and give him a little more confidence. Michael Malone always says the most important thing I can give a player is confidence. Well, 
one of the ways you give confidence is in trusting them. And I just think Peyton has probably earned that trust, especially playing in the game like that one and performing at the level that he did. And then Christian Brown making his threes is an encouraging one. This isn't like a long-term trend, but it is nice to see CB take and make a couple uh, of big shots in this one. I still don't love when he puts the ball down. I think playing him more with Jokic would be a smart move. Um, and again, this is just opportunity for you to mix up and try some different things. Overall, though, all in all, I like where Denver's at. I think they're moving in the right direction. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see how they look against Boston. That does it for today, guys. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Sorry, just a solo show. No Matt today, but he will be back later on in the week. You got Swipe Up next. We'll see everybody next time.